You're not in this story. Yeah, well, we're making it up as we go. Welcome to Making It Up As We Go, a Destiel fan fiction anthology podcast. We're making it up as we go. I'm your host and reader, Nerdy Nerdenstein, but you can call me Katie. The story is ours now. You can't have it back. Please be warned that this podcast can and will depict explicit sexual content and is not intended for young audiences. Hello and welcome. Today I'll be reading Love Bites by Mal Muses, chapters 5 and 6. The pertinent tags for today's fic are Alternate Universe Modern Setting Creature Fic Two-Person Love Triangle Vampire Dean Winchester Barista Castiel Mechanic Dean Winchester Virgin Castiel Anxious Castiel Confident Dean Winchester Openly Bisexual Dean Winchester Unrequited Castiel slash Hannah Terrible Parenting Men of Letters Drama First Time First Dates Please Don't Feed Real Bats Cheeseburgers Emotional Hurt Comfort Strangers to Bats to Lovers If you are able, please go to the author's AO3 story and give comments and kudos to them for sharing this with us. The link is in the show notes. This will also be posted on AO3 as a podfic under my username, and the link will be in the show notes as well. Chapter 5 It was three weeks after Dean had first appeared at Heavenly Bodies for coffee that the flowers arrived. Cass had been taking coffee breaks with Dean every day that he'd worked since their first stilted encounter. The first few days of careful coffee-not dates had been hellishly awkward. But for some reason, Dean seemed determined to wake Cass out and give him the time to get comfortable. Dean had turned out to be genuinely as charming and funny as he presented himself, as well as being just as cocky as Cass had assumed. But that trait, Cass was discovering, was disguising a man with a lot more to him than merely jest and bravado. It had taken him a little while even to be brave enough to think about it, but Cass, well, he liked Dean, for sure. He had a crush on him, that much was true, And with his sandy hair, brilliant green eyes, and broad shoulders, who wouldn't? Cass had to distract himself sometimes, so that he wouldn't simply gaze over top of his coffee mug and start counting Dean's freckles. But much worse than finding him physically attractive, Cass found that he actually liked him. 
Dean's gentle, determined attention was slowly tearing down Cass's awkward, defensive exterior, and he didn't know what to think or do about it. He wasn't even sure what Dean intended. He'd met Cass for coffee every day and chatted to him resolutely, suffering through even Cass's most obdurate pauses, as if he was absolutely convinced there was something inside worth uncovering. But he'd never tried any further. He hadn't asked to see Cass outside of work, or attempted to do so much as hold his hand. He was just getting to know him with no further indication of intent. Until the flowers arrived, at least. That had to be at least a moderate indicator of intent, Cass decided. They were a beautiful bunch of multicolored blooms, bright and cheerful with curling green fronds at the edges. The florist had, under instruction, he assumed, inserted tiny picks topped with cute little bees in between the flowers. The small envelope attached to the side of the cellophane wrapper announced his name, and they had been left somewhat unceremoniously next to Kevin's elbow while he served coffee. By the time Kevin had called Cass in from the back room, Hannah, the part-time kid Claire, and even a nosy customer had all come to take a peek. "'Who's sending you flowers, Cass?' Hannah asked curiously, lifting the cellophane to peer more closely at a yellow gerbrid. Hannah asked curiously, lifting the cellophane to peer more closely at a yellow gerbrid daisy. Dean, of course, Kevin said with a grin before Cass had a chance of responding. Cass's not-so-secret admirer. Cass's cheeks were burning. It might not be like that, Kevin. Claire, the high schooler who had helped out during the holidays and on the weekends, snorted. Yeah, sure, Cass. You don't often see dudes as confident as that, reduced to trailing around after mangy trench coats like a lost puppy, you know. I don't wear my coat while I'm working. Dude, you had it on while you were sitting drinking coffee with him yesterday. It was cold, Claire. Oh, for goodness sake. Hannah flapped her hands at the both of them and shoved Cass playfully to the side, reaching to pull the envelope off the side of the flowers. Will you just shut up and read it? Yeah, son, piped up the random middle-aged woman at the counter. Open it. Claire fixed her with a flat look. Can we help you, lady? She blinked in shock at being challenged, then shuffled off back to her seat. Cass took the card with shaking hands. Oh, God, why were his hands shaking? And eased a finger under the flap before changing his mind. You know what? You guys are making me incredibly uncomfortable. He glared around them, grabbing the bouquet and shoving them under his arm as he turned. So, I am taking my flowers back to the dishwasher. Kevin pouted. Aw, come on, Cass. We took bets and everything. Ignoring him... Cass pushed his way through the swing doors back into the kitchen. With his back to the counter next to the sink, he took a few deep, grounding breaths before he opened the envelope. Inside was a small florist's card with a little cartoon bee and the words, Be Mine, in cheesy bubble letters. Cass, I hope these brighten up your day, just like you always brighten mine. Dean. Cass's stomach gave a funny little swoop. He wasn't certain. How could he be certain? 
Dean could just be sending him flowers to make him smile as a friend. But he argued with himself. The card did say, be mine. But what if the florist chose the card? What if it wasn't what Dean intended? The will-he-won't-he-doesn't-he-does-he headspace was not a good place for Cass. Some people enjoyed that kind of anticipation, he was sure, but it turned him into even more of an anxious mess than usual. All right, he thought, I'm going to have to do something about this. If Dean does want more than friendship from me, clearly he's waiting for me. And if he doesn't, well, that's embarrassing, but at least I'll know. Cass proceeded to pace around in the kitchen in ever-increasing circles, until Kevin banged the door open five minutes later. Hey, Cass, your freckled stud muffin is here for his daily coffee. Should I ask if he just wants a booth or a room? Kevin. Cass ran out of the kitchen before Kevin could say anything to Dean at all, just in case. He skidded to a halt in front of an amused-looking Dean, pink and with his hair even wilder than usual from yanking at it while he paced the kitchen. Nervously, he patted it down. Hello, Dean. Leaning a hip on the counter, Dean looked Cass over and smirked, the bastard. I can tell from your pink cheeks that the flowers already got here. But why the running? You want to put me in my place that fast? Dean placed a hand over his heart dramatically, pretending to stagger. You wound me, Cass. You could have let a guy down gently. Despite himself, Cass shook his head and chuckled. He raised a hand to his face, feeling the heat from the red at his cheeks, and tilted his head over towards the booths at the back of the store. You dork. Why don't you sit down? Coffee is on me today. Kevin gave a low wolf whistle, which was swiftly silenced by, Cass quickly determined from the glares as he turned around, the sharp edge of Hannah's elbow. Claire sidled up suddenly from nowhere. She smiled quite gently. Go sit, Cass. I'll bring the coffee. He moved around the edge of the counter obediently, untying his apron, but still squinted suspiciously in her direction. You're going to bring the coffee over? Uh-huh, she nodded sweetly. You want to spy on us, don't you? Uh-huh, she grinned. Now go, or I'll let Kev bring him, and that's worse. Cass laughed, and he was suddenly grateful for his goofy daytime cafe crew, because the amusement took the edge off his nerves. Dean was waiting in the furthest booth, and if he hadn't known any better, Cass would have said Dean was nervous too. Either that, or he'd developed a hobby of meticulously organizing sugar packets. They pay me to do that stuff, you know, Cass said quietly, gesturing to Dean's nervy reorganization as he lowered himself into the booth opposite. Caught red-handed, Dean confessed, moving to sit on his hands. I'm actually kind of scared you're going to shoot me down here and tell me to never come back. Castile blinked, blushing down at the table. So, to clarify, because I'm someone who needs that kind of clarification... The flowers were me saying I like you. Dean finished for him quietly. They 
don't have to be any more than that if you don't want them to be. Castiel bit his lip nervously, chewing on it. It seems to me, Dean was continuing, quiet but determined, that you haven't dated that much, from what I can tell. Looking up to see Dean's attention fully on him, Cass nodded. Embarrassing at my age, right? He said wryly. Nah, Dean shrugged. Not everybody does. And there are plenty of reasons why you might not have. You're shy and awkward around people, so I figure that's most of it. But you could have been on the asexual or aromantic spectrum too, or completely inexperienced, or most importantly, you might... Well... Maybe you just don't like me. So I figured it was time to lay my cards out and check. Despite all his earlier inability to look at Dean, when he laid it out clearly like that, Cass suddenly found himself unable to look away. A slow smile began to pull at his face, beyond his control, and something that felt like a giggle was rising through the center of his ribcage behind his heart. He pushed it down desperately, but it still surfaced in the form of an even bigger grin and a small laugh. Me, he said. You like me. You, Dean Winchester, town mystery man and resident cocky shit. Well, Dean said, looking for once about as awkward as Cass. Yeah, so would you, uh... Claire leaned straight over the table between them, depositing two hot mugs of coffee with a shit-eating grin. Don't let me interrupt, old dudes. It's cute watching you two. It's like when you hope the parents from Parent Trap are going to get together. I am literally paying you to leave, Dean said, pulling out a crisp twenty. This isn't a tip. Let's be clear here. You're still a sucky waitress. This is a bribe. Now scram. Cass slowly lowered his face into his hands, laughing desperately through his embarrassment as Claire flounced away with her twenty. She is unbelievable. Dean let out a low chuckle, for sure. A long moment passed, and then Cass's attention was drawn up by Dean shuffling in his seat and laying out his hand on the table, palm upwards. Cass, smiling more bravely then, you told me that you had an event this weekend with your family and that your mom was going to look down on you for being single and working here and stuff. It sounded like a drag. So... Dean shrugged his cocky smile back in place. How about a fake boyfriend for your party, huh? And then, after, you let me take you on a date. A real one. Just you and me. The giggle trapped in Cass's ribcage was back and he felt the warmth of his soft flush as he nervously reached out his hand, placing it in Dean's open one on the table. Dean squeezed his hand gently, pleased. Yes, said Cass, nodding. I would be very amenable to that. Seriously, Cass? Amenable? Came a voice from the next booth over. Go, Go away, Kevin. Kevin. Dean and Cass yelled in unison. The night air was a little more chill than Dean would have liked. 
but as a bat, he wasn't too concerned about shrinkage, so it didn't stop him from going to see Cass. It was stupid, he knew that, but Cass had mentioned to Dean a couple of times now, during their coffee-not dates, that he'd rescued a beautiful bat. He'd preened a little, he'd admit, and that he'd missed his company. That was one thing in Cass's life that Dean could fix. He'd already hunted for the night, and he was feeling sated and cozy, and heck, a bit lonely, if he was going to admit to any of it. So, an hour or so later found him hovering nervously outside the living room window of Cass's apartment. He took a quick look at his reflection. It'd just be bad manners to visit with blood around his mouth or something, and then carefully used his clawed feet to tap against the glass. One good thing about being able to transform into a bat, as opposed to some other flying creature like a shitty pigeon or something, was that bats could not only fly and swoop elegantly, but, unlike many species, bats could hover. So, Dean stretched out his wings, buoyed up on a current of air outside of Cass's window, and waited. He took a moment, yet again, to be grateful for Cass's gentle care. His wing was almost totally healed, not bothering him much at all now when he flew. After waiting a moment, he flapped up close to the window again. Tap, tap, tap. Quick and deliberate. Tap, tap, tap. A moment later, the curtains pulled aside, and Dean was temporarily blinded by the light from inside. Scree! Dean called out, thinking that perhaps Cass might recognize the tone. He was a bat, after all, and there was a slight fear in his stomach that Cass might not recognize him from any other bat. Though he didn't think Cass got visited by that many bats, particularly not big, green-eyed vampire bats. The window slid up just a couple of inches to start. Wingchester? Cass's incredulous voice came through the gap. He sounded confused, surprised, and, Dean happily noted, quite hopeful. Scream! Dean called cheerfully. The window pushed all the way up, and Dean could see Cass's grinning, amazed face on the other side. Not giving Cass any time for caution, Dean tucked his wings in and sailed smoothly inside. It really is you, Cass exclaimed softly before laughing. Dean did a swift, familiar loop of the room before flying over to roost on the light fixture in the middle of the room, dangling upside down from one of the fan blades with a contented little squeak. He rotated his head and looked across at Cass. Scream! Cass stepped up to him, looking at him closely. He smiled, and Dean thought that he looked a little teary. It's gotta be you with eyes like those, Cass chuckled, peering at him closely. Even Garth said he had never seen a bat with eyes like yours. Cass paused for a second, moving to pull the curtain back across, but leaving the window open, Dean noticed. Your eyes remind me of Dean's, actually, Cass said, before shaking his head and laughing at himself. It's stupid, but they do. Not so stupid at all, buddy, Dean thought to himself in amusement, before letting go of the fan blade. He beat his wings hard a couple of times to catch some air and right himself, then flew directly to Cass's shoulder. He was careful not to dig his claws in, reaching across one winged hand for purchase in Cass's hair instead, just like he used to. 
Cass looked at him out of the corner of his eye, chuckling softly, and made his way to the couch. I can't believe you came back, Cass said gently. He took care not to jostle Dean as he lowered himself to his favorite seat on the couch. Once he settled, Dean let go of his hair and gave him a familiar little nuzzle into his neck before dropping himself down onto Cass's lap. He said softly, I'd have come to visit earlier if I'd have known you'd liked it. I missed you, little guy, Cass admitted, grinning and reaching out to stroke at Dean's head. I hope I've not ruined you for the wild or anything by feeding you cheeseburgers for a few weeks. Cheeseburgers? Dean's ears perked up. Scream! Cass laughed, reaching across the coffee table and digging around in a trash-filled paper bag. No cheeseburger today, but there's half a steak sandwich. Dean hopped from foot to foot eagerly. Eating junk food that Sammy didn't get to glare at him for was always a win. Cass set the napkin right down onto his lap, placing a chunk of sandwich on top of it. Dean dove in with a grateful squeak, nibbling at the juicy meat with his sharp little teeth. He paused as Cass's fingers came out to pet the top of his head, to nuzzle against his palm. Go ahead and eat, Wingchester. I was just going to put the TV on and try to relax. I sort of agreed to a date with someone today, and I've been a mess ever since. He confessed quietly, in the easy, self-reflective kind of way that he always spoke to Dean in this form. Dean took a second to give him an extra long nuzzle. Hey, it's okay. Don't be nervous. It's just me. Returning to his second, or technically third, dinner, Dean listened while Cass talked. Honestly, I don't know what on earth he's doing with me. He's way out of my league. He's beautiful and funny and confident and basically everything I'm not. Cass kept up his gentle petting while Dean ate. Dean had to admit that he'd missed this too. He knew he shouldn't be here. He really did. Sam would flip his shit if he knew that Dean had come back to visit Cass. Or that he'd offered to be his fake boyfriend for Michael's wedding and take him on a real date after. He'd have a conniption. He'd push his dumb floppy hair back and glare at Dean like he was an idiot. Because he was, and Dean didn't disagree with Sam on any of it. But he'd just known, with the utmost certainty, that Cass could use a little company, that asking him out would have spiked his anxiety. Obviously, he'd rather have knocked on the door in his human form and offered the dude a hug and a TV-watching buddy. But that would have rather defeated the point. So instead, once he'd devoured Cass's abandoned dinner, he crawled back up to Cass's shoulder. As Cass' channel surfed idly, avoiding going to bed, they snuggled quietly in the blanket on the couch. A couple of hours passed before Miggles realized what's up. Usually Gabriel's saving grace at family events is that I'm always doing worse than him. Cass was musing idly as a rerun of Dr. Sexy played in the background. He often talked like this with Wingchester. It was the only way to talk, Dean supposed. As it wasn't like he could reply. We're the only two that didn't go into the family business, you know. Didn't have a stomach for it, either of us. Though Gabriel would say he always had big porn ambitions. I think he just needed a way out, though. 
it's not easy to shun your family's ways when they've been doing it for decades, let me tell you. Meow. 16 pounds of hefty, fluffy feline launched through the air toward Dean, and by association, Cass. Ah! Cass shrieked as Miggle's claws found purchase in his shoulder, the feline doing its very best to eliminate the small, winged intruder that had dared return and share its owner's affections. Dean flapped wildly, beating the beast in the face with his wings. Back off, furball. I'm not trying to steal your... Dean was swatted firmly around the head before Cass managed to get a good grip on the cat, and he careened off into the arm of the couch. Miggles, Cass chastised firmly. You know better. You remember Wingchester. Yeah, fairly sure Miggs does remember me, and that's the problem, Dean grumbled to himself scrambling upright on the couch pillow so he could lick his wounded pride. Cass carried Miggles off to the bedroom, still telling the cat off, despite the grumpy hissing it was busy throwing back in Dean's direction. The interruption, unfortunately, reminded Dean that it was getting very late, and he probably needed to be going so that he could get a little sleep before work. For a brief moment, the temptation to stay and sleep on Cass's pillow, how he used to, pulled at him but that wouldn't be right as much as he wanted to. When Cass returned, he reached down and picked Dean up from the couch carefully. Are you okay, little guy? He pulled at Dean's wings, stretching them out to check, but he was so gentle about it that Dean found he didn't mind. I'd feel terrible if Miggles hurt you again, silly jealous cat. Dude, jealousy is a step up from trying to eat me which is how we first met, so I'm good. Dean leaned into Cass's palm, nuzzling his head into Cass's thumb, the pad of it slightly rough from endless rounds of washing dishes. Hey, I'm okay, see? Just my pride, Cass. Promise. After a few more minutes of watching Dr. Sexy and Dr. Piccolo UST all over the screen, Dean sighed internally and, begrudgingly, crawled his way out from under the edge of the blanket he'd snuggled under, perched on Cass's chest. With a few flaps, he made his way over to the window, hovering next to it and picking at the curtain with one foot. Gonna need you to open this for me, dude. Not a fan of the whole flappy fabric obstacle thing in this form. Cass stood and stepped up to the window. You want to get back out, Wingchester? Dean thought that Cass sounded disappointed. All right, there you go, he said, pushing back the curtain. I'm glad I got to see you again. Maybe I'll just leave the window open now, huh? Just in case. I've already got a cat door. Why not a bat door? You dork, Dean thought, amused. He flew back to Cass's shoulder, giving him one last bump to the cheek with the flat of his head before he kicked off to glide out the window. Bye, little guy, Cass called quietly. Don't worry, Cass, Dean thought. I'm going to see you very soon. Chapter 6 As Dean pulled them into the huge old hotel outside Lebanon that the Novak family had descended upon for the occasion, 
it occurred to Cass that he was calmer than he'd ever been while walking into a family event. Michael's wedding was a big one, too, and Cass knew that not only would his entire family be in attendance, but almost all of their colleagues from the family business. He should, by his own track record, be a bundle of nerves. But instead, he felt a small swell of pride in his chest, which he knew had nothing to do with his family and everything to do with Dean. Somehow, Dean had wormed his way in past Cass's defenses. He always knew exactly how to make Cass feel comfortable, and Cass rarely felt self-conscious around him anymore. Dean had had the patience to work past Cass's awkward stage, and no one had taken the time to do that since Hannah and a few of his colleagues at Heavenly Bodies. No one else had even tried. Dean, though, he strolled past the gates like he had some secret key. He made Cass feel calm, grinning like a cat who got the cream and being breathtakingly dashing in a hastily rented tux. Dean swung open the door of his vintage Chevy Impala and offered Cass his hand with a little flourish. Cass, he said, bending low, would you do me the honor of being your fake boyfriend for the night? Cass laughed, adjusting his blue bow tie in the rearview mirror before slipping his hand into Dean's and sliding out of the car. Dean had been fairly adamant that he did not want to count this as a date, and honestly, Cass found that he was rather grateful. The crush he'd been nursing on the handsome mechanic had bloomed to epic proportions, and he didn't want anything they had tainted by this. Turning up with Dean would smooth the waters quite a bit, but any evening spent in the presence of Naomi Novak and his brothers was bound to be awful. Cass let out a small puff of breath, looking across the parking lot at the enormous old hotel. The Campbell House was where the majority of his family held their momentous occasions, so the solid sandstone walls already contained enough bad memories for him. Ready to do this? Dean asked quietly, extending his hand out and waggling his fingers as he stood next to Cass. Ready as I'll ever be, Cass admitted, pushing down the small jolt of nerves and excitement that ran through him as he entwined his fingers with Dean's. I apologize in advance for pretty much everyone you will meet, except Gabriel. Wait, no, especially Gabriel. You make it sound like your family is going to try to eat me alive, Dean said, grinning. Can't be that bad. Oh, it really can, thought Cass as he laughed along with Dean. As they approached the wide door, Dean gave his hand a little squeeze. Hey, so tell me something before we get in there. If Michael is your brother, oldest, right? Cass nodded, approving of the family knowledge he'd drilled Dean on in the car. It had been a nearly five-hour drive down to Lebanon from Sioux Falls, but Dean hadn't seemed to mind. Then why aren't you in the wedding? In, oh, you mean part of the wedding party. Cass suddenly realized how odd that must seem. Well, I wasn't exaggerating when I said I don't get along with my family. Gabriel and I, we both failed to meet their expectations. Right, because you, what, wouldn't join the family business? What do they do anyway? Thankfully, Cass was spared from fabricating an answer by Gabriel's sudden appearance in the doorway. Their invitations had clearly said black tie, 
and Cass was amused to note that Gabriel had obeyed in his way. He wore a literal black tie and paired it with an obnoxious lilac suit and floral vest. On his feet were pink snakeskin cowboy boots. He was scowling, but his expression melted into a delighted grin when he saw Cass and Dean. Cassie, baby bro, he threw his arms out wide and came forward, crushing Cass into a reluctant hug. Thank God you're here, Cass. Mother is in a rare form, and Luke and Michael have been trying to one-up each other all day. Hello, Gabriel, Cass said dryly as he was released. Did you have to sit through the service? I didn't even get an invitation. Gabriel snorted. Be glad. It was atrocious. Now, this must be the boyfriend you procured to keep Mother at bay, yes? If Dean was bothered by Gabriel's ferociously waggling eyebrows or his viciously flamboyant suit, he didn't let it show. Instead, he extended his hand smoothly, a calm smile on his features. Hello, I'm Dean. You must be Gabriel, second youngest, the, uh, adult entertainer. I do porn. Gabriel rolled his eyes. You can say it, you know. In fact, when we're around Naomi, I encourage saying it as much and as loudly as you can. Dean laughed as they shook hands, and Castiel watched them with a strange fondness. Gabriel was a handful, but he had a feeling that he might get on well with Dean, given half the chance. Shall we go in? Cass offered, gesturing to the oak double door they stood before. Hell awaits. Dean raised an amused, doubtful eyebrow and offered his hand once more. So, am I supposed to believe that you're really dating Cassie? Gabriel asked bluntly, looking over at Dean as they progressed through the hotel foyer. Because you look like you could make a living in front of the camera, and usually Cass can't even speak to someone unless they look like a troll, or Hannah. Hey, Cass objected fruitlessly. Dean merely dazzled Gabriel with a smile. If you're threatened by his game, Gabriel, perhaps you should up yours. Gabriel's barking laughter was chased by a firm, lingering pat on Dean's chest. I like this one, Cass, I do. Make sure you parade him in front of Mom as much as you can. He flounced out of sight, leaving Dean and Cass stood on the foyer's tacky red carpet. Did he just slip a business card into your breast pocket? Yep. Yep, he did, Dean said, tugging it out, eyes going wide. Birthday parties and bar mitzvahs? What kind of bar mitzvahs has he been to? Christ. Stifling a laugh, Cass watched as Dean carefully deposited the business card into a nearby potted plant with two fingers. Do all of your family talk to you like that? Dean asked suddenly. Cass blinked. Well, I mean, yes. Gabriel is the nicest. Dean's lips pressed briefly into a thin line, and he moved closer to Cass's side. He slipped an arm around his back and led them onward, toward a large ballroom that an A-frame sign identified as being privately booked for the Novak and Sands wedding. Well, not tonight they don't, Dean threatened quietly, squeezing Cass's hip. Cass felt himself flush slightly as his stomach flipped. The ballroom was decorated in rich swaths of burgundy and gold. Velvet drapes drooped from the carved ceiling, and silk sashes held back ornate curtains, 
around a huge semicircle of floor-to-ceiling windows. The floor, made of oak planks laid in an ornate pattern, was polished to gleaming. The tables around the edges were heavy, dark wood, and the tablecloths that covered them were in a matching red with gold threads, cascading red-rose arrangements running down the middle of each of them. Wooden wall panels made the room feel oppressive in Cass's opinion, and ridiculously over-elaborate sconces of golden lions held aged-looking electric lights. Dean let out a low whistle. Who's the rich Gryffindor? He whispered under his breath. The Campbell family owns the entire building. Half is a hotel. Of course, the other half is for private use. They're heavily involved in business with my parents, Cass explained very quietly. Right in the doorway, Dean leaned sideways, turning his head to whisper privately in Cass's ear. Do you trust me? Cass tilted his head, turning in toward Dean. Their faces were close, as if somehow, within the most public of spaces, this had suddenly become a private moment. Dean's eyes were so, so green. Cass found himself staring at them for a moment before he swallowed harshly, giving a jerky nod. Yes, I think so. Dean's smile was soft but pleased. Good, so just let me lead, okay? Cass nodded slowly, wondering what he was getting himself into. He found out soon enough. They walked across the room together, Dean with his head held high, and Cass trying to avoid the looks from those who recognized him. The wooden flooring of the room was laid in such a way that it produced a large circular symbol with a hexagram in the middle, the sign of his family's traditions. He started off looking at his feet as they walked over it, but then found he didn't want to look at that either, so he looked at Dean. Stared, perhaps, but the man was utterly beautiful in his defense. Castiel, a small, slim man with scruffy blonde hair and vicious blue eyes, made a beeline for them across the room. Or Cass, isn't it, these days? Novak name not good enough for you, eh, little brother? Like you can talk, Luke. Cass responded, already done with his brother's presence after barely two sentences. Who is this? Luke turned to Dean, running an eye up and down his suit critically. Mother said you were bringing someone, but of course I assumed you were lying. And you are? Dean said flatly, bordering on rude. Lucifer Novak, of course. Luke grinned, extending a hand. Call me Luke, please. I didn't think my little brother's crappy job paid enough to hire escorts. I wouldn't know about the cost of escorts, Dean said dryly. I'd say you should ask yours, but as your arm is empty, I'm assuming you've been struck from their books. Let's go get a drink, Cass. Cass felt a little dazed as Dean firmly turned them away from Luke, angling them toward the long, busy table where champagne was being doled out. So, said Dean under his breath, if I were to get the urge to actually kill any of your brothers, where's the best place to stash a body around here? Dean. Cass nudged him with an elbow, but he couldn't bring himself to be too chastising. He often thought the same. Dean shrugged lightly. Maybe they improve on acquaintance, he said while reaching for two glasses and offering one to Cass. But somehow I doubt it. I've been well acquainted with them since birth. 
Cass said wryly. Believe me, it gets no better. Dean kept his hand on the small of Cass's back as they drifted from the table, and Cass found he rather liked the warmth of it there. So, shall we get your mother over and done with, so that we can attempt to have a good time after? Dean gestured toward the dance floor. I can dance, you know, and there's got to be some perks to me accompanying you. Uh, Cass warmed under his collar almost immediately. No dancing for me. Aw, you don't want to be spun around in my arms, Cass. Dean teased, his grin easy and warm. It's expected, you know, for couples at a wedding. Cass tugged at his bow tie, trying to release some of the sudden warmth around his neck. You are a shameless flirt, he mumbled, avoiding Dean's gaze. The hand that Dean wasn't using to sip his champagne came up to Cass's bow tie, covering his fingers as he fussed with it. Without saying anything, Dean gently straightened it and tangled Cass's fingers back into his own. Sorry, he said after a moment, low enough to be between the two of them. It's a habit. I'm not trying to make you uncomfortable. I just happen to believe you deserve to have been flirted with a lot more than you have been. You're still doing it, Cass grumbled, feeling his cheeks go pink. Dean winked. Didn't say I was going to stop. Cass was still flushed from that one when Naomi practically pounced on them from behind. Castiel, she said without an ounce of warmth in her voice. Her burgundy mother-of-the-groom outfit did nothing to lift her harsh, sallow complexion or soften her severely cut, short blonde hair. Cass jumped a foot in the air too focused on Dean to have ever wanted to hear his mother's voice so close. Naomi. If Dean thought it was odd that Cass referred to her by her first name, he didn't say anything. Instead, offering his hand to her promptly, and even affecting a tiny bow as she extended hers in turn. Miss Novak, I presume? Naomi, please. And you are? Dean Winchester. Cass thought it was about time I came to meet you all. A tiny frown passed over Naomi's face, her brow wrinkling, but it passed too quickly for Cass to question. Did he now? He's never mentioned you, Naomi said unblinking. We've been quite private about our relationship, Dean smoothly responded. Oh, really? And why is that? Naomi tilted her head, ignoring Cass entirely as she focused her icy gaze on Dean. It's not like he has any reputation to spoil or career to worry about. Dean raised an eyebrow, and Cass thought he saw something of a challenge in it as he stood by Dean's side. Dean's arm rose to loop affectionately around his shoulders, looking exactly like the proud boyfriend he was supposed to be playing. Oh, has Cass not told you yet? Dean simpered devilishly. He's been working for me for a while now. All of the financial operations for three businesses. It's a fair bit to manage. We truly struggled before Cass came along. But of course, one has to be careful, dating a co-worker and all. But I just couldn't resist his charms. Who could? Naomi opened her mouth, but no sound came out, clearly blindsided. Dean's tone was even and firm, his eyes never leaving Naomi for even a moment. Luckily, it doesn't matter as all the businesses are mine and I plan on announcing Cass as an equal partner very soon. In fact, 
Dean continued, smiling widely. I'm sure you'll join me in congratulating him on it, won't you? Cass felt like he couldn't breathe as Dean raised his glass in Naomi's direction. What the hell was he doing? I... Naomi held her glass up slowly, though didn't bring it to Dean's. You didn't tell me any of this, Castiel. Oh, I'm sure he's been far too busy. Dean supplied immediately. People always want some of his time, you see. Someone like him, it's not surprising, with how smart and compassionate he is. Everyone wants Cass. Dean's laugh was dark and dangerous. Anyone who doesn't, well, they probably don't deserve him anyway. Naomi was frozen. So, he said, his tone light once more as he winked at Naomi, clinking their glasses together. To Cass, the best Novak there is, and an even better Winchester one day, I might hope. To Cass. Naomi looked like she was getting a lemon juice enema, but the words came out somehow. Now, Dean looked down at Cass, smiling softly and adoringly, for all the world like Cass was his. How about a dance, dearest? I, God damn it, Dean, I said I didn't want to dance, asshole. Yes, that would be lovely, Cass said through gritted teeth. Dean had the balls to waggle his fingers at Naomi, like he was saying goodbye to a child. Nice to meet you, Naomi. It's been a pleasure. Cass practically dragged Dean to the middle of the dance floor. Dearest, he quoted, raising an eyebrow. What, everything I just said and it's the awful pet name you object to? You sounded like a spare from Downton Abbey. Cass was struggling to keep a straight face. I can tell her I was lying if you want, and that you haven't been on a date with me yet, and you still peel dried pastries off dishes for a living. Dean grinned wolfishly across at Cass as he tugged him close, placing a hand on his hip. Or you could just dance with me. Cass sighed, shaking his head in amusement, unable to deny the fond fluttering in his stomach as Dean's other hand took his. I suppose so, dearest. Dean wrinkled his nose. Yeah, that was a bit too much. Despite himself, Cass laughed, ducking his head down so that his forehead almost came to Dean's shoulder. But he caught himself just in time. They didn't so much dance as sway, quietly talking under their breath in a private little space between them. For a little while, Cass almost forgot where they were, until a gentle swell of raised voices and clapping announced Michael Novak's entrance with his new bride Josie on his arm. It was later in the evening, and the sun had all but set. But Cass tilted his head toward a set of double doors that he knew led out onto an extensive balcony and down into the gardens. Maybe we can get some fresh air for a bit, he suggested quietly to Dean. I don't feel up to trying to survive Michael just yet. I'm sure he won't kill you, Cass, but we'll put off facing him as long as you need, okay? He grinned softly as he turned, slipping his hand behind Cass's back again, the picture of a perfect gentleman. He guided them through the crowds, avoiding the wedding party, and on through the doors. He won't kill me, no, Cass mused. I'm just his pathetic little human brother. He'd save that for a monster who is worth his effort. Cass noticed Naomi leaning in to whisper to Michael, 
both of them with their eyes fixed on Dean, but they managed to escape before any approach. The cool air of the balcony was a relief, and Dean led them down to the end of it, where shallow stone steps led to the carefully manicured lawns and rose gardens below, the bushes lit with twinkling lights. His hand had slipped into Cass's, and even if it didn't need to be there with no one watching, Cass wasn't going to say a word. They walked around the dim light for a few minutes, just lazily dawdling between the topiary, before finding a low stone bench that looked over a small fountain at the end of the grass concourse. Dean let go of Cass's hand, to a slight disappointment he admitted to himself, and they sat watching the water for a moment, the chilly stone seeping through the legs of their suits. Can I ask you a question? Dean asked suddenly, though he wasn't loud. Cass turned to look at Dean and was suddenly aware that he was only inches away in the dark. They both leaned back onto the bench, resting onto the heels of their hands, and Cass could feel the warmth of Dean's fingers only a fraction away from his. Even though they'd been playing boyfriends all night, and they'd held hands, briefly embraced, and played the role as expected, now that they were alone, somehow the subtle not-touch felt ten times as intimate. Of course, you can ask me anything, Cass said, surprised to find that he meant it. Why do you still keep in touch with your family when they're so awful? I haven't seen a single drop of love between any of you tonight. Honestly, they seem like a walking disaster for anyone's mental health. Dean stopped himself for a moment as if he was wondering if he'd gone too far but then shrugged. So, why? You already ran away to college and refused their way of life, so why keep in touch? Well, I, uh... Cass looked up and he could feel Dean's green eyes boring into him in the night air. Honestly, other than Hannah, I don't have anyone else. My life is dull and solitary, and I was never brave enough to cut my family out completely because then I'd have to realize what a hermit I am and do something about it. He intended the last part to be something of a joke, but it fell flat and sounded horribly like the truth. Hey, Dean said softly, and Cass could almost sense his frown. That's not entirely true. You have me. Their fingers on the bench brushed, and with his heart thudding wildly in his chest, Cass realized that he wanted nothing more than to kiss Dean right then. Would that be so bad? I could, he thought, leaning in fractionally. He was pretty sure, despite Dean's generally overall flirty nature with everybody, that Dean truly did like him. He wouldn't have made all this effort, sent flowers, asked Cass for a date after this if he didn't, right? So would it be so wrong if Cass was to kiss him then like he so badly wanted to? Decision made, Cass held his breath, leaning in just fractionally, hoping that was enough to signal to Dean what he was thinking. Dean, he breathed out slowly, nervously. His heart skipped a beat as he registered that Dean was leaning in too, close enough to share air. In the twinkling lights from the garden around them and the starry sky above, Dean's lower lip gleamed gently as his tongue darted out, moistening it. He wants this too, Cass realized, relief like a tidal wave closing his eyes for the briefest second. But no meeting of lips came, and Cass sensed Dean pull away, 
I... Dean's breath caught in his throat so sharply that Cass heard it. I... I need to tell you something, Cass. Cass was so stunning in the moonlight that Dean had almost forgot himself, just for a moment. He wanted so much to comfort him, show him that he was wanted and liked just as he was. God, Dean wanted to kiss him. So bad. He couldn't even feel that guilty about it. Being close to Cass was like bungee jumping, just waiting for the second when there would suddenly be air beneath his feet. When Cass moved in to kiss him, Dean's heart sprouted wings. Cass was everything he wanted. But, no, he couldn't. Not unless Cass knew the truth and still wanted him after. He didn't agree with Sam that he should stay away from Cass, but he wouldn't lie to him either. Cass deserved the choice. The embarrassment and hurt that flooded across Cass's face as Dean pulled back from their almost kiss tore the wind from beneath Dean's newly flying heart, and he came down with a thump. Hey, no! Dean immediately darted his hand forward, reaching to catch Cass's cheek as he pulled back, shaking his head frantically. Fuck, the last thing he wanted was for Cass to feel rejected. Cass froze, looking unsure. Dean sucked in a breath as he trailed his thumb along Cass's cheekbone. He wasn't sure if the tiny shudder that ran through Cass was from the chill night air, or perhaps, he hoped, from him. Dean moistened his lips again. I just want to... Dean Winchester. A smooth, deadly voice came from directly behind them. Whatever are you doing here? You, he said, dazed. His hand slowly fell from Cass's cheek as he twisted to stand his feet beginning to back up automatically, but finding the fountain in his way. Me, said Michael with a smirk. Behind him, Naomi and Luke appeared, flanked by many more men and women Dean didn't know. You've grown a bit since I saw you last, Furman. Never should have allowed that. You're men of letters, Dean choked out desperately, his eyes flicking back and forth between them all. You... You killed my dad and Jess, and I remember you. Dean had been younger then, but he had never forgotten Michael's voice as he stood over John Winchester, vowing to tear his sons apart. John had tried to keep his family one step ahead of Michael for years, but their long feud had ended with Dean's father's untimely death. Leaving Dean to raise Sam, to raise himself, almost, if not for Uncle Bobby. Did you think it was funny... Michael asked, advancing on Dean with eyes locked solid. To seduce my brother. Was that your revenge? To find the least of us and worm your way in. To... No! Dean gasped, his eyes wide turning down to look at Cass. Cass was still sitting on the bench, unmoving, frowning in confusion, his mouth slightly agape as he looked at Michael. Did this mean Cass was... Cass was. What are you talking about? Cass said suddenly, standing, squaring up to his brother with a ferocity Dean had never seen in him. Is that true? Did you kill his family? What even? 
Michael laughed, low and sickening. Oh, this is even better. You don't even know, do you, Cassie? Poor, stupid, naive Cass. You haven't got a clue. Distracted by Michael and Cass's confrontation, Dean cried out when Luke and another one of the men of letters that had accompanied Naomi circled him and stepped in from the sides, grabbing his arms. Hey! He twisted, snarling, jerking his elbows to try to get out of their grip. Let me go. I didn't come here for this. I didn't know. Luke cuffed Dean on around the temple dismissively. Oh, enough. No one cares what you have to say. Dean opened his mouth to call to Cass, to explain, to say something, but chaos erupted around the garden. In a surreal turn of events, the noise of wings and howls and gunshots suddenly streamed into the Campbell House gardens from their left, providing just enough distraction for Dean to jerk one arm free. Seeing that Dean was escaping, Michael lunged. A blade was already settled in his palm, wooden and blessed, Dean knew without even looking closely. He launched himself at Dean with the ferociousness of someone who truly believed they had God on their side, which made it even more terrifying. Cass yelled out as Michael hurtled over the bench he still stood near, reaching after him as if one unsure hand could somehow hold the enraged lettersman back. People poured into the garden from all sides, and Dean suddenly realized the terrible timing of his and Cass's little walk. This was the event Adam had called about. Somewhere in the increasing melee, he was out there with his mother, Kate, and likely many more that Dean knew. He had to get out of there. This wasn't his life anymore. Never had been by choice. We've stayed out of your way. Dean found himself yelling as he kicked and flailed desperately against Luke, who still had him on one side. Not a drop of human blood, not for years. Never even wanted to. Why can't that be enough for you? Michael advanced on him more slowly then, his wild, dark eyes full of disgust. Why would that be enough for me? It doesn't change what you are, Winchester. The blonde girl, she was human, but she still sided with you. If I didn't spare her, why would I spare you? Dean's mouth was dry and he could feel panic rising through his chest. But he wasn't John's son for nothing. His survival instincts kicked in the moment Michael was close enough, and he kicked out, catching the shorter man square in the stomach. Back off, Dean hissed. I don't want to hurt you, I just want to leave. Hurt me, Michael laughed dismissively. You won't have the chance, I'm afraid. Michael swung the blade toward him, and Dean barely dodged it. Luke sidled up behind him and managed to grab both of Dean's arms, pulling them up behind his back sharply, sending a loud, throbbing snap of pain through Dean's recently healed shoulder. Dean moaned in discomfort, trying to pull himself together, to focus. Michael! Cass yelled somewhere to Dean's side where more scuffling and shuffling was happening, but Dean couldn't afford the second to look. Instead, Dean attacked, his fangs dropping instinctively, a mouth full of them, long and sharp. He hadn't had his teeth out in human form for many, many years, and his mouth felt strange, too full. Stronger than, he bucked against Luke, his vision homing in and reddening until all he could see was Michael. 
He managed to twist out of Luke's grasp and launched himself forward at Michael, frantic. He couldn't hear anything but ringing, a coppery taste filling his mouth. Dean. It was Cass's terrified shriek that brought Dean out of it, turning to Cass's horrified, frightened face. The look in his beautiful, wide blue eyes made Dean want to throw up. He knew what Cass could see. A monster, nothing more. A monster who'd just torn into his brother's throat, nonetheless. Before Dean could say anything, more men of letters advanced, furious and screaming, and Luke was reaching for Michael's blade. But it wasn't needed. Michael was sprawled against the bench, one hand pressed to his profusely bleeding neck, and the other splayed on the stone seat, pushing him up. Blood trickled from his mouth as he began to speak, his eyes never leaving Dean. Exorzimus te, omnis amundi spiritus, omnis satanica potestas. Dean recognized the all-purpose Latin exorcism as much by the pain as it caused him, as by the words themselves. Falling to his knees, his body twisting and snapping against his will, he knew there was only one escape. Coiling into himself, Dean reached inside his mind for the familiar switch that would free him of his human form. He was afraid, afraid if he turned now, with his shoulder damaged again, that he would be stuck that he would make his injury more permanent. But neither time nor choice was on his side, so he let go. It took only the swiftest of blinks, the space between seconds, for his body to morph and shrink, fur and wings where tan skin and sandy hair had been before. His rented tucks shredded in the process, but Dean barely noticed, not able to think beyond the pain that was crushing not just his bones, but his very self under the weight of the chant. He had to flee. Flapping wildly, Dean soared out of Luke's reach. Below him, it was all-out warfare as Adam's group besieged the men of letters. All Dean could see was Cass's upturned face as he took Dean in, now small, furred, and sharp of fang. Winchester. He breathed, sounding more broken than Dean could stand. When you win-